Well, hello, hello. Welcome back, Hurricane H here. Uh, thank you for watching the iHealth uh, channel, Fit and Fab channel, and tonight also live on the Agonisim of Beauty channel, and finally on iHealth Radio. Uh, as I promised, different guests tonight with a different spin. Uh, the topic tonight is unique because it touches on a, uh, what a some, somewhat a taboo topic that's been a little bit, you know, challenged across the nation and in a lot of places in the world. Uh, and it's really the subject of cannabis uh, and, and this application and, and, and really treatment and uh, pain management, so on and so forth. But before we do that, we're going to talk a little bit about diet and, and, and different treatments, you know, with autoimmune uh, issues and things like that. We have a guest who's also a writer and author of a book and uh, she has been on a lot of shows, so I, I do uh, thank her for you know for being on my show here. Uh, she's been on the uh, the, the Doctor Oz, Good Morning America, uh, featured on some uh, magazine, and she'll tell us more about those. I was like my guest to tell us about this story. So without any further ado, I want to introduce to you Brooke Alpert, and she is a dietitian, and you know we will talk and define about you know, what dietitians mean. <laughs> And what that, that, that word means, because some people refer to it as nutritionists and things like that. So we'll get more clarifications. So that means it. Rook, how are you? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me. Well, no, it's my pleasure and my honor. So, so Rook, tell us a little bit about your, first of all, your background in terms of, of your nutrition and diet and, and all that good stuff that you've been doing and how it led you to the book, The Daily Habit, right? That's the name. I, Daily Habits, my product. The book was- The product, uh, yes, I, the product, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you'll tell us all about that, so. Sure, sure. Right. Um, so I'm a dietitian by training. I um, became a dietitian around 15 years ago, and I launched my private practice in New York City right after I got my degree. Um, and when I first started my practice, I really was just looking to do that one-on-one -on -one counseling. So I really was interested in helping people in reevaluating the way they were eating, the changes that we could make. Um, and it, I sort of just sort of fell into the specialty of true weight loss. And so I would say the majority of my business was weight loss. Um, while, you know, a bunch of it, you know, were was wellness, pre-postnatal, some sports nutrition, and, and, a, and a couple of extras. But I would say the bread and butter of my business was weight loss. And I loved it. I really did love what I was doing. Yeah, so so talking about weight loss, I mean, as I said earlier, we're we're also featured on the Fitness Fab channel, and and we actually do have a fitness you know component to our business here and uh, our family, and one of the things we deal with all the time is we get questions left and right about diet loss, you know, like loss, you know, weight loss management, uh, how to properly you know get the, you know healthy habits and so on and so forth. It's pretty confusing, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, People, you know, follow different diets, uh, keto, and there's always new stuff. And, uh, you know, there's the, the, the combination of exercise, uh, intermittent fasting, and all these things. You know, there's a lot of stuff. And also then you have people with different, you know, chronic diseases, diabetes, and so on and so forth, and how they can really address their diet, you know, habits and uh, really have a, a routine and understand what they should eat and what they shouldn't and how, what's the calorie counts and all this stuff. What can you tell us about that, you know, just in, in, in a slow, in a short, you know, way? Sure, in a nutshell. You know, I think what makes things so confusing is that everyone's an expert, right? So you have doctors, you have dietitians, you have people who call themselves nutritionists, uh, health counselors, 
an influencer on Instagram, right? Like your grandma's aunt's best friend, right? So everybody had something that either worked for them, worked for them temporarily, heard about something. So there's a lot of information that's always coming. And I like keeping up with like the new science and the new literature. So there's a bunch of dietitians that are, that really won't look at any sort of like new diets that come out or, you know, new science or new types of eating behaviors because they're like, no, this, we, we do it this, this one way, right? It's calories in, calories out, and that's all that matters. I don't work that way. I think that the new research is really awesome. So I think that with everything that comes out, there's always like some small nugget of helpful information lost in this giant pile of garbage, right? So like, I think there's the science behind intermittent fasting, for example, is awesome. The problem is it's really hard to stick to, right? Because telling people just not to eat is more complicated because we have emotional relationships with food. We have habits that are hard to get out of. But something really cool about intermittent fasting, there's something called early time restricted feeding, which is a version of intermittent fasting, but it's very doable. So it's really just a fast of 12 to 14 hours, which is just sort of like having an early dinner or a late breakfast, but it's not saying, hey, let's go out the whole day and not eat. So I think that with all the information out there, we need to respect the new science and perhaps even the new antidotal evidence, but we need to take it all with like a grain of like, you know, salt. So, you know, I think there's always a lot. What's most important is what's sustainable for you? What can you stick to without feeling like crazy deprived that will set you up to fail? And then do you feel good from it? Is it doing the right things for your body, right? So I could have someone that may not be celiac, but who does very well on a gluten-free diet because it just helps their digestion or whatever. But I could also have someone who's trying to follow a gluten-free diet, not, the, not due to celiacs, and they're eating gluten-free garbage. So again, there's, there's great information. You just have to wade through all of the stuff. So I'm not against the fads. I'm against what the fads often entail. Excellent. Well, I mean, that, that's pretty good advice because it, it is, I hear it all the time and people are stating different things based on the experience that you said. And, you know, again, when talking diets, I mean, sometimes diets are limited because how long can you possibly sustain it? I mean, and then what happens with people with diet, they typically get to a point, they can no longer do it. And then they relapse quickly and it gets worse. And then now they're like, oh, I lose, you know, fade and all this stuff and whatever. And then they get back <laughs> much, much heavier and things like that. And then it's exercise not working out and it becomes a nightmare and we've seen it. But then of course we've seen some success stories, uh, but it's really a good you know, combination of all of the above. You need to know what's going on, understand it. And to your point, maybe reach out to someone with expertise. Uh, we're not, you know, we, we can all Google <laughs> and learn stuff, you know, overnight, but we're not the experts and, you know, at least not me. And uh, for those of us who don't have certification in such, you know, uh, a very uh, unique specific industry type or, or uh, um, level of, of understanding, we shouldn't be actually giving advice about it other than the basic stuff. And uh, I think dietitians are there for a reason, just like we have doctors for different specialties and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, everybody has their own expertise. And I think that that's common sense. I'm not saying that <laughs> that is you know, special right now, but but you know, some people may not see it that way. Well, maybe they don't even know where to go for nutrition you know, advice. And uh, you know, again, we go to magazines, we go to books, 
doesn't usually, I mean, it's different opinions, but really yeah. if you get someone that understands you well. I think that if, if a diet sounds too good to be true and is promising crazy results in a short amount of time and involves a crazy amount of restriction, even if you feel good doing it the first few days, it, it's really important to know what's sustainable for you right? So small changes that you can make, you know, to what you're currently doing are tend to be the most effective because they don't disrupt your life. Now, on the other hand, some people really need that disruption, you know, like people who've been eating really poorly. Sometimes, you know, we just need that kick in the butt, you know, to really reevaluate what we're doing and sort of relearn how to eat. But I would say that most people will do well with saying, all right, this is how I'm eating. I want to maybe follow more of a paleo lifestyle, or I want to do a little bit of time restricted feeding, or, you know, really work on cutting down carbohydrates and embracing healthy fats. So like all different components of a hundred different diets, but how can we do it with the foods that you love and your current lifestyle? And if it doesn't fit into that, it's not going to be sustainable for you. And you're going to be sort of, this is when the diet starts Monday every week. So, so, Ruth, how accessible are dietitians? I mean, it's not, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty. I mean, you practice in New York, right? Uh, yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of offices and services that, that provide similar. Uh, is, it, is it maybe cost? I don't know. I mean, again, I'm sure insurance covers it. I mean, I'm in the insurance world. I know when someone needs stuff, you know, it's covered. Um, it, it's like, you know, is that what people do not actually reach the right advice? So they just basically prefer to just hear it from a third party and that's it and follow whatever they hear? You know, I think a lot of people like the quick fix um, versus being willing to go to a dietitian or some sort of true expert. Um, dietitians are everywhere. You just have to look for them. Um, you know, my practice is in New York City. We don't take insurance. We're expensive. So I understand um, the reason why some people wouldn't come to us. But there's plenty of amazing dietitians all over the country who accept insurance, who have sliding scale payments, who can do things that are affordable, remote, you know, um, sessions, um, and, you know, ones who can sort of meet the needs that you're looking for. So it, it's, people are out there to help you. I just think, unfortunately, when it comes to diet, so many people just want that quick fix. And that's why like, I've written books, you know, because I feel like people are much more willing to download a book on their Kindle or just go buy one at Barnes and Nobles or wherever bookstores are these days um, and just sort of following that. But I don't think anything beats that one-on-one -on -one counseling. It's the same thing with, with therapy, right? So like you could read your self-help books, right? And you can mm -hmm. follow people online who give you like great mental health advice but it's not the same as going one-on-one -on -one with a therapist who gets to know you specifically and your issues. So, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to both. Um, but I think nothing beats, you know, a one-on-one -on -one session with a, a good dietitian. Excellent. Thanks Brooke for that. So, so now we'll go to, to the story. So, so you had, you have a unique story uh, with your, <laughs> your, your, your husband. Uh, and, and that led to a whole different world of, of, uh, I guess innovation, I would call it, <laughs> in the yeah. world of, of, of cannabis. So, so tell us about that and then you know, how it all started, what happened and how we evolved to where you are today. Sure, so you know, when I started my practice, I thought this was you know, gonna be my job forever. I really, I thought nutrition counseling and you know, weighing people you know, 10 times a day um, was my life and, and I really, really did love it. But as I'm helping my patients, my husband at home was struggling. 
And so it, my husband um, and the father of our two kids has a really debilitating autoimmune disease. The symptoms are very similar to MS, um, but he's in chronic pain and you know limited mobility. And so, um, you know, I, I would come home from work helping other people feel good, and I'd come home to a sick husband, and, and that was you know really challenging, I think, for us both. And so, I was constantly looking for new diets that would help with his pain. Um, anytime I was at like a, a conference and I met a new doctor, I dragged this poor guy with me to go meet him um, or her. You know, he was like a human pincushion for any new doctor I met, and everyone was always so excited, you know, to meet him because he had such a unique case and this crazy history, and then it would turn out like it would be a dead end. And that was the same thing with the diets. I put him on all of these crazy diets. And at one point he was on like a liver and cabbage basically diet. Um, and finally he had said enough. And he asked that I could just go back to being his wife and the mother of his kids and not his practitioner. And, um, you know, I actually like wish he asked to see other people instead <laughs> because I feel like it's very hard as someone who's in the health field to watch your partner struggle. Um, but so I gave him a break and really sort of serendipitously around this time, I started just stumbling across some really cool research articles on CBD and pain and CBD and PTSD. And the more I started researching, I was really fascinated. And Todd struggles with PTSD from um, major traumas that is all related to his pain issues. And so um, I found a brand that I, I thought I could trust. And I said to him, eat whatever you want, do whatever you want, but just happy you add this in. And he was like, well, what is it? And I'm like, I actually don't know. I said, the science is pretty cool and it's made from pot. And he was like, sweet, like I'm down. Um, you know, and Todd is what we call cannabis friendly, um, which is, you know, a polite term for a pothead. So it's, um, he, he was totally fine with it. And so he took super high doses of a, you know, good quality CBD that I had found for him for about a month. And all of a sudden we saw tremendous changes. This is a man who couldn't, you know, we live in New York city, right? We walk everywhere. Like that's our life as a parent. Like you, you walk places, like mm -hmm. <laughs> cars are not, you know, the main source of transportation here. And, you know, all of a sudden he's walking more, he's helping our kids learn to ride bikes. He's, he's like transforming and, and he wasn't cured. It wasn't over. But he was able to push himself more than he had ever before. And the only change was CBD. And for me, that's when this light bulb went off. So the science, you know, um, background I have, I started diving into more research and I found a whole lot of research on CBD with anxiety. Mm -hmm. So in my practice, I have a lot of patients who are emotional eaters and all the tools that I have up my sleeves aren't really effective. Right. So it's like we journal, we have kitchen curfews, we have all of these tricks to help people, you know, sort of not have this binge behavior or this overeating um, due to stress or anxiety. But I was never able to say, like, try this. This actually might reduce your anxiety. And so for the month of August, a couple of years ago, I gave five patients this high quality CBD that I had found. We set up a time for them to take it. And all five of them had like a tremendous transformation. Um, and that's when that, that real like light bulb, you know, went off like a fire engine, you know, um, and I ended up saying, I need to learn more. And I, I, I got to the point where I couldn't recommend a product that I didn't fully understand in my practice. It was getting past the point of my level of expertise. So I went back to school, um, 
and I became a holistic cannabis practitioner um, oh. and took the certification courses and everything. And the cool thing is I'm learning all about cannabis and, you know, the different strains and THC and all the compounds and legality and dispensaries. And it was awesome. But the entire time, all I could keep thinking about was CBD and how I couldn't find a product that like met my needs. And I couldn't find a product that met the majority of my patients' needs, um, who were just people who were, you know, most of them trying to lose weight, but just trying to feel like better versions of themselves, Right. So my husband had great products for illness, but there was nothing really for those who were you know, looking for wellness. And that's when I decided to create my own and I created Daily Habit. Um, so, I like the name of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good habit to have, right? A little bit better uh, than some of the others that we could have. And um, you know, I really just wanted a CBD product that was A, met all of my crazy strict criteria, but B, felt like a wellness supplement. We didn't need another pill to be taking, right? Like I just, I needed something that screened wellness and something easy to take every day instead of like another protein powder that'll get stuck in your, you know, cabinets or another supplement that gets stuck in your medicine cabinets. So that really is like the, the long story, as short as I could make it about the creation of Daily Habit. That's, that's a pretty decent story. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. So, so, so you, you mentioned that couple of years when you started with the cannabis treatment in general uh, and for your husband you, you, he's, he has seen you know a nice change at least in, in pain management and certainly his life has become different and more exciting and back to a normalcy right and then also you've treated some folks on you know for eating habits now there's that's a, ironic because we all think about pot as you know gives you the munchies yeah it's kind of weird right and, but it worked. You know, what, what would you say that was the actual reason why it did happen and, and work for them? Did it calm them and, and kind of like suited them to a point where they didn't need to compensate with food, for example? Sure. So, you know, CBD doesn't get you stoned or high or give you the munchies. So, you know, that, that's, that's what's, you know, traditional marijuana. Cannabis in general is this big umbrella term for two specific plants. One is cannabis, also the way that we know it as marijuana, um, and the other is hemp. So the products I work with is hemp, and the only difference between the two products is the amount of THC, right? And the THC is what gets you stoned and high and like all the Cheech and Chong movies, you know, like that's what all the stereotypes, like the Bob Marley, um, you know, smoke and a doobie kind of story. Um, but in order for it to be classified as hemp legally in the States, it has to have 0.3% THC or less. So we're talking super minute amounts that will not cause anyone to get high stoned for the munchies. So what CBD does is that it interacts with an endocannabinoid system in your body. So it's a system that all humans have, and we have these receptors. And these receptors are actually meant to be receiving cannabis, which is crazy because it literally is telling us that our body from an evolutionary standpoint was meant to be utilizing the plant. So for people who are struggling with emotional eating, the main source of the root cause is anxiety, right? So anxiety or stress. So if we can work on in taking something that helps with the anxiety and reducing their anxiety, which is what CBD is really well known for, then it's gonna be really beneficial for those who struggle with the anxiety that causes them to emotionally eat. So we're sort of addressing one of the causes before the symptoms of emotional eating. 
And that's what CBD does. It, it connects to those receptors in the body and it tells the body to sort of recalibrate, recreate homeostasis, right? Get back into balance and it reduces those anxiety levels. And it's not like a mask. It's not like covering up, right? By taking like a medication to like not feel those feelings. Mm-hmm. It's actually fixing it, right? So it's recalibrating how your body's reacting to anxiety. So it, it's super cool because we're not masking your emotions, right? I'm not asking people to sort of, you know, medicate out of their feelings. It's just helping your body cope with them a lot better. So, so in essence, it, it works more as a... Uh substitute for example to medicine i mean like an opioid you know kind of uh treatment you know which is basically chemically inducing and and, and treating your pain and stopping your brain from thinking that there's a pain but it is this is different it actually works completely differently yeah so right so when you take tylenol because you're feeling pain tylenol is not fixing the pain it's covering up the pain right right? so if like you're taking heavy painkillers and walking on let's say like a, a broken ankle you're still going to be hurting your ankle, even if you can't feel it, right? So it's not right. healing it, right? That would not be like what the for a minute. Right. <laughs> so what what CBD can do is actually sort of like re re trigger, recalculate what is going on in the body that is causing the anxiety. So it's going to reduce the amount of anxiety that the body is producing. So it's getting to the root cause of the issue, which is so much more effective when treating real issues. Now, whether it's mental health or physical pain or, or whatever, I'm not against medication, right? I, I think that, that medication is definitely necessary for so many people and there's no shame or stigma. But I think that for a lot of people, if you can try a more natural alternative that has better effects and less side effects, mm-hmm. it's worth a shot. If that's not good enough for you or you were too, you know, your, your issues are too strong, please go medicate. Please feel no shame. I am all for it. Um, you know, I don't ever want someone to think that just because I'm so pro, you know, natural remedies that I'm against medicine, but it, it's not the case. But for many people who suffer from mild anxieties and mild issues, CBD is a great solution for them. Actually, it's funny because I, I did attend a, a seminar and I, uh, I've actually tried an ointment for, for pain and it, it was the best thing. You know, you don't feel in a joint pain or anything. I mean, I through the working out business, I had a little bit of a pain and that kind of disappeared and it was like a good feeling, but it was no side effect to it. It was just, and it's funny because in that seminar, I think 90% of the audience were seniors and some of them were either uh, recovering from like cancer, uh, chemotherapy and, and other pain management, uh, arthritis, all the different types of things that really are painful. And they were like excited. I mean, they could swell with <laughs> by by those those ointments and the treatments. And he was there was also some sort of a um, I forgot what it what it was. Um, it's like an aroma that they they basically you know uh, uh, put into this this little dispenser, and it was in the air, and it gets you a little bit of, like an oil, like an essence that was in the air. It was is it was all natural, but it was really good stuff, and it worked. And it's not like everybody got stoned. <laughs> it was good. We walked wow. out there normal. <laughs> You know, the the topical treatments are really incredible. So, you know, for someone like my husband who's, you know, struggles with chronic pain on, you know, he can take the the CBD that he's using and and take his medication, but getting, you know, to apply medicine right to his hands where the pain is, you know, with these amazing topicals that are out there in salves are great. I have kids, both my kids are competitive figure skaters. So we have a lot of bruises and falls. 
you know, as soon as they come off the ice and I see a limp or I see them grabbing something like mama's coming out with the cream, you know, and they might stink from like the menthol parts that are in it, but the CBD and, you know, and the components from the hemp plant that are in there are so helpful. And it, you know, it completely reduces their healing time when it comes to these bruises and aches and pains. So, you know, the cool thing about CBD is there's so many different applications. So you can, you know, use it topically, you can still take it internally um, and really sort of, you know, heal inflammation and pain from the inside and from the outside in. Wow. Cool stuff. Now that brings us to the question, why is it not as, as popular or spread because of the limitations? Why is it that the legislation is not really pro it. I mean, I know states are have been pro. A lot of states have actually now made it either uh, available, medicinal, you know, marijuana and cannabis practices more com common in some states. California has been the leader, of course. <laughs> now, now I know New York has been 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 getting you know more in the in the the bandwagon here in the bandwagon. Then you have Jersey that just voted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so tell us more about that. Yeah, so Colorado was actually the leader. It was the first state oh, to, uh, to legalize in, in the US. So yeah, in California, not far in between, Massachusetts is legal. Jersey, we're on the cusp, like it's close to happening. I really do believe this is the year for Jersey to have recreational and medicinal marijuana um, out there. New York has medicinal marijuana, some really cool dispensaries here in the city, but they're limited and they're limited with what they can sell. You know, I think that there's so much stigma still attached. Yes. And I think that as, my guess is that as the legislation starts to loosen, right, and we see more states legalizing it, there's a lot of work to do behind the scenes. Because, you know, listen, I, I am a white woman in New York City working with cannabis, and I have such a privilege, right, because there's so many, you know, people of color who are, you know, in jail for working with a similar plant, you know, and granted, I don't think the motives were like, you know, for wellness, but we can't, you know, make legalize these plants without decriminalizing all the people that are behind jail, you know, behind bars for it. And so I think there's a lot of work. So it's going to be like two steps forward and like a couple of steps back constantly um, to really sort of try to bring things up to a more fair level. Um, the crazy thing is, is that what legalizing, you know, recreational cannabis use and, um, you know, legalizing these, the dispensaries does for each state is so incredible. So the amount of money that these dispensaries give back, whether it's you know from in taxes and, and fees and, and everything, can actually change an entire state's um, you know budget and lifestyle. So like there was um, in Washington where it's legal, there are like these amazing case studies that showed that once they started taxing these dispensaries that the amount of money that went back into the communities and the quality of, of the life for most people greatly improved because these are millions of tax dollars going back into the community. So to me, it's crazy that we haven't gotten there yet. And the amount of money that these dispensaries can make, which therefore means their taxes are gonna be being paid, are, are enough to offset so many community issues. So, I mean, that's my high horse there. It's, you know, it's a plant, it should totally be legal. We need to get people out of jail and clean their records. Um, and then we need to tax these dispensaries and put all that money back into the community that, you know, originally supported it. So- well, Brooke, you just stated, I mean, there are states that have been in effect for, for years, a couple of decades already, and, and it's been working and to your point that there's, there's money to be made. And in my mind, I mean, I don't see it any different from alcohol 
or tobacco. I mean, these are products that are the same. They can still hurt people and they still have, you know, a very, it could be better effect, even worse. And yet they're also taxed and they generate revenue. So yeah, if this also, is healthier. It's a hundred percent healthier. There has yeah. never been a death associated with cannabis use, right? Think about how many drunk drivers, how much liver disease, how much cancer, right? We can't say that cigarettes and alcohol haven't ever killed someone. And yet there's never been one diagnosed death due to cannabis overconsumption in the entire US. So, you know, for, for me, like it's, it's crazy. And, you know, like I, I live in New York, I, I'm a mom here and, and I listen to, you know, my kids, you know, my mom friends basically say, oh, it's cocktail hour. This is mommy juice or, oh, I drank too much last <laughs> night. Meanwhile, I don't touch alcohol because it's just not my thing. But if I mention like what I do for a living and I work with, oh my God. I'm the one who's like edgy and taboo, you know, meanwhile, like, you know, I don't even drink like, you know, caffeine after 12 o'clock. Like it's just, it's comical, the double standard that's associated with cannabis usage, but not with alcohol. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's plenty of work to be done, but I'm sure there are reasons behind it. I mean, it's a very competitive industry, I guess, to the others. And that may be another reason why it's not taking the front, uh, I guess, position here, because these are more, um, I guess, anchored, you know, industries that are stronger and more powerful, more lobby and things. So that could be that. Uh, so, so let's talk dispensaries. You mentioned dispensaries. Uh, mm -hmm. What are they? I mean, some people may not understand what those are. I mean, I, you know, it sounds like a store, <laughs> you know? It, it basically is. And there's, you know, depends on what state you're in. All the dispensaries are a little different. The one thing that's across the board is they're all really strict. It's like, it's harder to get into a dispensary than it is to a bar in New York City, right? Yep. So you need to have, you know, all forms of identification. You need to be over 21. They're very strict. Now, depending on what state you're in, it could either be medicinal usage or recreational usage or a combination of both. Here in New York and still in New Jersey, medicinal only. So some dispensaries will have CBD products in the front that you're allowed to buy from if you don't have your medical prescription. And then the rest of the store, the back end, is all for medicinal products. And so you need to have a prescription. You cannot enter the store, you know, that area of the store. Um, and you know, it, it's it's much easier now to get a medical marijuana prescription than it ever has been. Um, and that's kind of great because more people reaching for medical marijuana means less people reaching for opioids. Very, very, you know, very simple right there. Which, which um, is a crazy thing right now. Which, which is insane. And so, um, I, you know, and you can go and I have to say in the last, you know, five years of, of visiting dispensaries, every single one I've gone to has had really great informed people working. And they give you, I mean, they might be wearing tie-dye, they might have a ponytail, you know, <laughs> they might look like hippies or some sort of stereotype, but they're well-educated on what you're looking for. So you tell them, hey, I'm feeling anxious, I have a prescription because of my back pain, um, I'm nervous about THC, they'll, they'll set you up properly. You know, the, the dispensaries I go to near my house in Massachusetts these are the most incredibly knowledgeable people. And I like going, you know, before the pandemic when you could enter inside, um, I loved going just to get even more education on a specific strain I may not have heard of or um, something new that's come out. So it's really, or just seeing what people are interested in. But, you know, these dispensaries, 
well, there might be some, you know, fun jokes we can make about them. These are truly informed people that are running them and they're doing a really, really good job. Wow. Well, so, so here's a unique question. You mentioned prescriptions, mm -hmm. uh, hence doctors, providers. What is the provider community, uh, you know, take on it? I mean, uh, are they progressive? Are they, are they seeing it? Are, they, are you seeing a little bit more of a, uh, an incline towards using prescription that may include some of the cannabis products uh, in New York, at least for now? And, and um, is there any restriction? Is, are there any processes that providers have to go through to get even uh, permission to prescribe these things? Yes. So I, I don't think just any doctor can prescribe you medical marijuana. So I think that you need to be like accredited a certain way in order to do it. That said, there's tons of online. There's a company called Leafwell. There's lots of different companies that you can log on online. You have a session with the doctor. You know, you, you show all forms of ID and you express it. Now, ideally, everyone who's doing this has legit issues, right? Let's not waste doctor's times with, you know, I just want to see what a dispensary is like because go to a state where recreational is legal. Um, but that said, you know, I think that it depends on the doctor. I, you know, I, again, living in New York City, a lot of the doctors here are very comfortable with it. You know, it's a very open discussion. Um, there's no stigma um, in the medical community, but I'm not sure I could answer that about, let's say, you know, Utah or, you know, maybe more conservative states. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, for every dozen of comfortable doctors with it, there's going to be one who doesn't agree with it. And that's, that's fine. You know, sure. it's, not everyone's going to agree with the diet that I prescribe my patients either. And that's okay. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I mean, I think, I think just from what I know, there is a, some sort of a potential that some doctors now are leaning towards it because of the opioid, you know, you know, pandemic itself. And that's a big deal because it's just too much you know, crazy going on with it. And so the ideal substitute will be something that is not as intrusive, something that's not as destructive, and that can still have similar or better effects. So I think that is that is changing. And as the states are adopting, you know, a little bit more of this, I think that's going to be much better. So the future, I think, is bright. <laughs> you know, I mean, in, Jer in Jersey, I guess, to your point earlier, we're almost there. I mean, the vote has, you know, counted. I mean, everybody wants it. Well, not everybody, the most, the majority did. Now it's a matter of just, you know, identifying how it's going to be legislated, regulated, you know, all the different ramifications, law enforcement, things like that. Uh, so again, we'll, we're only a few, few months in, let's see how it plays. Um, you know, I think if more people, you know, especially doctors or researchers or anyone with a strong opinion about cannabis actually looked at the science and the studies and, you know, the, 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 the risks involved, they're going to be so much more comfortable with the legalization of it, you know, and, and for those who aren't, you know, some lawmaker, you know, posted something on Twitter a couple of days ago, basically saying, oh, you know, we're going to have so many more deaths now with the legalization of marijuana, you know, and it's, it, she got shredded, this, this, this senator or whomever it was, but because there's no evidence, right? So like, we, we can't just do these anecdotal old school ways of thinking and claim that as fact. We need science and evidence and the science and evidence of 40 plus years is showing us that cannabis is completely safe for use. Well, you, you mentioned the key element earlier. I mean, I think I read that article, but, but you mentioned something about the, the people that are incarcerated based on marijuana position or some sort of position. 
And and when you think about it, yeah, I mean, if you legalize this, well, now these guys have to be innocent, and, and you know, and have to to be you know, the sentences have to be eliminated. So there is, I, I think, I read also, I think, just somewhere a couple of days ago, something about it where that is a big question. Well, if we do this, it's going to be challenging because we have to let people go out of jail, and and maybe they're going to go back and do crazy things. So so I think there is also that hype and create a little bit of well, advantage and do crazy things right because what they're in jail for is possession of marijuana right so we're not saying like you know for like a giant drug lord who is selling cocaine to people right like <laughs> these, these are, are people with like these small crimes of either being in the wrong place at the wrong time or in, even intent to sell but you know holding them be in, you know keeping them incarcerated isn't necessarily the answer especially now that we've learned so much about the plant that said, I don't think someone who is incarcerated for 10, 15, 20 years should just be released like okay. that. You know, I think that we owe it to them to help sort of like readjust them to life. So whether there's some sort of transitional period or something, I think otherwise it could be really alarming and it, then people will have no other ways to support themselves than going back to the life they once knew. So I think it's a huge undertaking um, you know, for the government to really think about how we can do it the right way, but it needs to get done because there's, there's too many people um, behind bars for something that should not have put them there in the first place. No, I agreed. And, and I think the debate is going to continue. And ultimately, they, there's got to be a point where this is all going to ease up and they'll find solutions to balance it out. Now, yeah. I, I know in the US, we're still debating different states and other countries have actually, you know, bypassed this long time ago. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if you've been to Amsterdam, but I mean, that's been, you know, available for the longest and it's all legal and there's no problems and they don't even have issues with crime. I think the crime rate is, is lower than most of the people in the world. Almost it's a lovely quality of life in Amsterdam. It's such a beautiful city. Yeah. I, I, you know, I mean, and again, I think Canada next door, I mean, they have a different tolerance for it. I mean, so it's, it's really unique just how the dynamics work in the States. But again, it is what it is. Every, and that's the other thing. Every state regulates differently. I mean, I know, for example, on, on the insurance side, we have been, especially for the senior markets and the senior products for Medicare recipients, we've tried to introduce it for pain management, things like that, as benefits. And until the federal government, you know, approves of it, you know, there is no way for it to be part of the Medicare coverage. So it's always at cost. Uh, and that's been also another challenge because a lot of folks, they, the seniors are having to pay for it to actually get that super treatment that they can get through their regular insurance. Uh, Medicaid is, is different, but states also have control you know, over things. So there's a little challenging right now. But again, dispensaries at cost, you get a prescription, you go and buy. I mean, I'm sure the product value is, is different in terms of the cost. Some products could be cheaper than others, but I mean, it's not, it's not for everyone, you know, financially speaking, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and the irony is, you know, a lot of seniors still have that stigma, even with a CBD product, you know, and, and I've known plenty of seniors who, you know, were in chronic pain, could get their marijuana, their medical marijuana prescription and won't use it, but yet they have no problem taking painkillers. So, you know, it, it's a very hard audience to get them to change their way of thinking, for sure. Well, we have, we have newer seniors now, David Ward's yeah. coming up <laughs> with, with, with a little bit of a, a different angle and you got people that had a good time in the seventies <laughs> coming up too. <laughs> so they might, they might have a little bit of a different spin. And uh, you know, again, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how this all going to play. Now, now let's talk about your product specifically. Uh, so it, the daily habit, 
Yeah. And now, that, is that an ointment? Is that an, uh, uh, a pill? Is that what kind of product is it? Uh, so Daily Habit is a powdered supplement. And our basis of the powder is a coconut powder with a high amount of MCTs, which are those healthy fats that would give you really good brain, uh, brain action, brain focus and function. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so what, what our product is meant for is to be scooped into coffee or, you know, put into your coffee, teas, or smoothies. So this mm -hmm. way is something that you can do every day. I didn't want, again, another protein powder in your cabinet or another pill in your medicine cabinet where you, you just don't want to take it or you forget after a few days. So this is part of like a really great ritual. And most people have some sort of coffee or morning beverage ritual. So you put it into your coffee, your teas, your smoothies, you drink it. Um, we are super high quality uh, CBD, organically grown in Oregon, um, all really up to my crazy restrictions and specifications. I'm a crazy person when it comes to products I recommend or create. Um, and it's, it's just a delicious, you know, the, the powder works as like a non-dairy creamer. So it turns, you know, a black coffee into something, you know, milky and delicious without any, any dairy. Um, so we're keto friendly, we're paleo, we're vegan. We meet like every box that we talked about earlier, you know, with crazy diets. But um, it's really, it's just a great product for anyone who's looking just to optimize, you know, to be the best version of themselves each day. So is that something that only once a day or they can take more of it? There's, I mean, I'm sure there's got to be some sort of a, a limit to it. <laughs> oh, I love this stuff. I just can't take the whole bunch. Yeah, you know, you know, we recommend no more than five servings of our product a day. The truth is, if you need more CBD than what my product can offer at five servings, I need to move you up to a stronger product, right? So again, that's not a wellness product, that's an illness. So my husband, as much as he loves my product and puts it in his coffee because he likes how it starts his day, he needs much higher doses and he'd be using like a container a day, which isn't really great. <laughs> and it's, it's just doesn't make sense financially or, you know, product wise. So for someone who needs more than that, like if you're using my product more than three times a day, even though we max out at five, I say, if you need it more than three times a day, we need to move you up to a stronger dose. And then that's when I'd recommend another brand that feels more medicinal versus wellness, but you're still getting quality CBD. It's, Again, we're, we're for the wellness people. So when you're having a really, really rough time or dealing with severe chronic issues, my product's not for you. If you feel good and want to feel better or dealing with minor issues, my product is exactly what you need. Now, the product is available online or at, at dispensaries? Uh, or No, online, dailyhabitscbd.com. You can get everything off of our website, including those cannabis-friendly t-shirts that we created on, in honor of my husband. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, the, the, the link is on the description of the show. So oh, great. Uh, you know, sample <laughs> the, 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 the goods and, and see how it plays and how you feel. And uh, there's plenty where that comes from. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so so um, uh, what else? So, so you mentioned books uh, yeah. earlier. Now, is there any book that actually talks about this specific you know, item or just general nutrition? No, so, so I have a lot of specific diet books, but that was all pre, pre my cannabis days. I, I haven't really, I, I don't really feel the need to write a book on cannabis. I feel like there's- There's plenty out there. <laughs> yeah, and I honestly, like I get out and I get to talk about it so much that I say everything I want to say on these podcasts or in interviews and stuff. And that's where I really love connecting and sharing my information. 
Well, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've heard stories of success. I mean, ultimately your husband is one, but certainly a lot of folks that have, are your customers or clients, Absolutely. they actually certainly are seeing the results that they, they expected or be or see beyond the results they expected, I guess. Uh, and, and that is a satisfaction because I mean, you do have something that is tangible, it has good merits and it really shows results and is affecting lives in a better way. There's nothing, I mean, that's the best thing someone can want from their products. Absolutely. It feels so good to say, try this and tell me if you feel better versus, you know, completely changing someone's diet and lifestyle. You know, it, it's, it's been a great addition to my career to be able to recommend something like this. I, I think you, you, you stated something that is powerful, illness versus wellness. And, and, you know, I think we all try to do prevention you know, for everything. And, and even if you feel a little pain, whatever, especially if you're active, you know, this could prevent damage, you know, in the long run. This can help, you know, in the long run to prevent any serious problems. And again, I don't know what degree, I'm, obviously I'm not a doctor, but, but it has to work to a degree where it, even if you have some serious problems, you will be a little bit delayed. So, so you have the time to actually adjust, go to your doctors, do more stuff, and eventually even get better. So, so I think that is a big, you know, uh, piece of information that people have to take maybe from the show is that don't wait until it's too late and then try to fix the problem. If you can actually prevent it in advance, that's always, a, you know, the better way, better strategy. Um, so, yeah. So Brooke, we're coming out to the end of the show here, but so yeah. if you can just tell us a few things that, you know, you want to leave, you know, the audience and the listeners tonight, you know, with, what would that be? Ooh. You know, I, I think let's break down the stigma associated with cannabis products and CBD as well. Um, there is no shame in working with hemp and in trying something that might make you feel better. Um, so, you know, try it, give me a call, let me know what you think. But, you know, CBD can be really effective for a lot of people. It's not a miracle. It's not gonna fix everything in your life that's going wrong. It's not gonna fix every illness and every issue, but it can make a lot of people feel a lot better. That's it. <laughs> and a lot of people out there could use, you know, something of that nature to help them. I mean, the important anxiety, food, you know, pain, uh, different levels. So, so if you're listening, watching, please, you know, check out the site, you know, check out the product and see if this is something that would make a difference for you and your or, or family member or loved one, uh, you know, again, and if you like it, ultimately share, share, share the, the love. <laughs> so, so. That being said, um, Eric and H here. Uh, thank you for watching. Brooke, thank you for being on the show and for the valuable information and, and, and very, very strong uh, stuff that we've taken tonight. Um, again, if you're watching, uh, please check out the site. Thank you for watching tonight. Thank you for listening in. And we'll be talking tomorrow night for another show, a different guest, and a lot of new uh, valuable insights. With that being, bye-bye.